It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another Locked On NFL Crossover Thursday. Julian Council, host of Locked On Panthers. David Harrison, host of Locked On Bucks. The Panthers and Bucks meet in a Week 7 NFC South showdown, if we'll call it that. They're the only two NFC South teams that are currently undefeated in the division. And as always, every Thursday, our Locked On NFL Crossover Thursdays is brought to you by our friends over at Price Picks. Price Picks is so much fun. It's easy to play. No competing with other players, just you versus the projections available. Pick two to five players. If they score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 10 times your money on your entry. It can literally take less than 60 seconds to enter. It's that easy. We love prize picks, and we know that you will too. First-time users can receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com, promo code locked on. Panthers, Bucks, Sunday afternoon, David Harrison. How are you feeling about this matchup between a one and five Panthers team and a surprising three and three Tampa Bay Bucks team? Yeah, I mean, look, you just said it right there, right? A surprising three and three Buccaneers team. And, you know, listen, losing to the Chiefs is one thing. Losing to the Packers is one thing, even though the Packers really, I mean, they've kind of been exposed this year uh, as not being the Packers of old. But losing the Steelers really did something to this to this team to their if you want to call it prestige whatever you want to call it like I think the Packers and Bucks are basically in the same position where people are starting to realize that this big bad monster in the NFC that is you know either the Bucks or the Packers really isn't actually all that big or that bad uh, at the current moment and for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming into this game like the it's not going to be the biggest influence in the game I know we're going to get to that here in a sec but like I almost look at this as you either win. And if you win, you're really only going to win in the you're going to you're going to only win in the win column, which kind of sounds weird because where else would you win? But sure, there's really not a whole lot of upside to this Buccaneers this weekend for the Bucks because even if you blow the Panthers out, you know what I mean. Everybody's gonna, I mean, the departure of Robbie Anderson. I'm, I'm sure you're going to talk about that a little bit. I'm not sure how big of a real impact that makes on the Panthers, but they're kind of a team that a lot of people would expect this team to beat up on anyway. So even if you beat up on them, nobody's going to really applaud you for doing it. But if you barely win or if you lose, I mean, the sky isn't falling on Chicken Little's head just yet, but it might start if that happens. Yeah, your conversation right there, the sentiment that you just laid out is very similar to what Travis Rogers, the host of Locked On Rams, laid out to me last week going into that game because the Rams were like Tampa Bay coming into the season. They're coming out of Super Bowl a lot of expectations that they could possibly win the NFC West again. And they haven't got up to the best start. And offensively, they have been really bad. And going to that game, even if they beat Carolina, of course, which they did 24 to 10, how good could you really feel about that team and the issues that they had? Would they really be disappearing or would you just be beating a bad team? So I kind of get that's the sentence that you're saying here at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers heading into this matchup on Sunday against the Panthers. So let's start off with this. Top storyline for the Bucs heading into this Sunday's matchup between the Panthers at Bank of America Stadium in Uptown Charlotte. 
it's play calling, you know, and that's kind of the, been the biggest question. And I, I would say that the biggest story for the Buccaneers from an outside perspective, uh, and I mean, I'm on the outside too, but from like everybody else's perspective is a little bit different than from my own perspective. So I'll give you that one first. Uh, and that is the play calling. People are are pretty much fed up with Byron Leftwich. They feel like uh, he's kind of handcuffing this offense from the jump because he's just kind of obsessed with running uh, the ball, especially on first down. And, and people feel like he's basically overdoing it and becoming extremely predictable with his first down play calls. And you're not seeing a big, a lot of gains. You're seeing one yard, two yard gains, maybe even a loss or a no yard gain. And you're putting yourself in second and long a lot of times because of it. And I think the the general perception is that basically it's become so vanilla and predictable that opposing defenses are just loading up against a run on first down. And then you sit back in, in some softer coverages on second and third, and you allow the Buccaneers to punt what, so that's what a lot of people are going to be talking about. And they're going to be looking to see if Byron left, which hears the noise and, and adjust wow. to it and, and starts calling a few more passes. My thing about it is what I see with this team, Julian, is, is a distrust in the offensive line. And I see the distrust in the offensive line in the play calling. And I also see it in the quarterback. So when you do see passes from Tom Brady, and this is what plagued them against Pittsburgh Steelers, is they're usually quick passes or they're even screens or they're dump offs. There's not a whole lot of Tom wanting to stand in the pocket and let things develop downfield. There's a lot of this urgency of getting the ball out and getting out as quickly as possible. And I think from Tom's standpoint, that is a, a sign that he does not trust his offensive line to be able to protect him because at the same token, we're getting these quick passes, the dump offs and the screens, which is frustrating a lot of the fan base. But then we're also getting quarterback hits and we're getting sacks. You're seeing Tom Brady yell at his offensive line. So if the two go hand in hand where the quick ball is 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 the only thing working and Tom is still getting hit a lot with it. But then you want Byron Leftwich to dial up deep shots and long developing routes and play action. Like, you know what I mean? Like the, to me, yeah. the, the disconnect is, is kind of there. And I think Byron's play calling is indicative of not just a quarterback on the field, but a former NFL quarterback on the sideline that doesn't have faith in his offensive line. Huh? Wow. I was not expecting play calling to be the <laughs> biggest storyline. And I admittedly, I've not paid much attention to the Bucks other than the fact they're three and three and they lost to Pittsburgh last Sunday. And that was yeah. surprising to me. And I figured that I still think they're going to win the division. Look around. I know Atlanta mm. currently is three and three. Who saw that one coming? Arthur Smith right. drinking beer to the old line to celebrate last week. Um, but yeah, I was not expecting that, especially when he was a hot coaching candidate name last year. I'm sure there's plenty of Bucks fans out there who wish that he was a head coach and not Todd Bowles, who had been a head coach previously in New York with the Jets. And now hearing that, now the offensive line, we can relate to that here in Carolina. The last decade, seemingly, the O-line has been an annual problem. It's been much better this year. Last week, the Rams, that was one of the biggest issues that they've had. Really, that is the biggest issue. It's not Matthew Stafford's elbow. It's not the wide receiver injuries and waiting to see if Odell Beckham Jr. comes back. It's the fact that they're starting their sixth combination on O-line last week. And Tampa Bay seems to be a lot of the same with Ryan Jensen, in which I saw reports on Wednesday that the Bucs are expected he could be back sometime next month. But that's yeah. not in the present, and that's not going to necessarily help them this week. So it's right. interesting to hear uh, the people that are feeling pretty angsty about Byron Leftwich and their play calling. The angst here in Carolina, as far as the top storyline, is uh, who's the next one out? We had the NFL trade deadline coming up November 1st, 4 p.m. Eastern time, and a lot of folks are wondering after seeing Robbie Anderson is Christian McCaffrey or Brian Burns or DJ Moore, one of those guys head out the door next Robbie Anderson. To me, that wasn't necessarily a fire sale move. The Panthers don't seem to have much of an appetite to do that. 
considering there's building blocks like a DJ Moore offensively and then defensively, really, you look at guys like Brian Burns, who's a pro bowler last year. Derek Brown, he's been a name. Jeremy Chin's on IR, so certainly he's not going to be on a trade block, of course. And J.C. Horn, they just drafted him a year ago. So they have a lot of young, talented players on a defense that is pretty good. So why would you want to get rid of players like Burns, especially when the pass rush has gone to one of the best in the league a, yeah. a year ago, to not being what it was because Hassan Reddick is not on this team? Now, they're still top 10 in pressure rate, but they're just not getting home like they did a year ago. So I don't really think that Burns is headed out. But McCaffrey, he's certainly a name that a lot of people were talking about being headed out here at Carolina, potentially. He spoke to the media on Wednesday, was saying, hey, I'm not really focused on that. I don't need to be kept in the loop. I'm just going to do what I can do, control what I can control, and see if I'm still here come November 1st at 4.01 p.m. Eastern time. I would love to see Chris McCaffrey stay because he's a good player, and the Panthers' offense is already terrible. He had 158 or 203 yards on Sunday in the loss against the Rams. If you take him away, then what exactly is this Panther offense going to be able to do at all the rest of the season? Also, when you think about a new head coach, it's very likely that the Panthers owner, David Tepper, is going to want to get one of these young offensive-minded head coaches. How does it help attract one of those guys when you take a piece like Christian McCaffrey away? Same thing if you take a piece like DJ Moore away, who you just re-signed to a very wide receiver, very team-friendly deal, which is about $20 million a year, especially when you look at A.J. Brown, what he got, D.K. Metcalf. Let's not even mention Tyreek Hill and all these other wide receivers this past offseason. And then you want to bring in a young quarterback. What's going to help a young quarterback? Having weapons around him. So I don't really see how in the interim or in the future it helps Carolina get rid of Christian McCaffrey unless they guess they get a first-round pick or maybe multiple picks and get the recoups of the picks that they've already lost as they currently in 2023 only have their first, second, fourth, and fifth-round pick in the NFL draft. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think if you have pieces that are that are talented and also bought in, not necessarily to what's happening currently in Carolina because I don't, you know, I know there's a lot of turmoil there. But what basically is is they're dedicated to getting the Panthers brought back up to uh, not just relevancy, but but being a competitive team. And I think Christian McCaffrey is probably one of those guys he comes across as a fairly loyal person. Then yeah, you keep him because I mean, really, you know, you're, you're you're by selling off all your pieces. And, and I'm, I agree with you, Robbie was less of a fire sale move as it was just kind of for the betterment of the team. If you if you sell Christian McCaffrey, if you sell DJ Moore, I mean, if you sell Brian Burns, I mean, I would almost say you're crazier to sell Brian Burns than you are to sell. Christian McCaffrey, even though Christian is kind of held in higher esteem uh, in most circles, but you know, you're basically just setting it up. So, okay, well, the next, the next guy that comes in will basically just have a whole lot of fresh picks to start from, from scratch, which means you're looking at a three to five year build. And I don't think David Tepper is looking for a three to five year build. I think he's, he's looking for a one to three year uh, rebuild or renovation, whatever you want to, whatever you want to call it. So yeah, I, as much as uh, the football lover in me, like just the pure football uh, enthusiast, would love to see Christian McCaffrey in Buffalo because that would be oh, that God. would be insanity. Um, I, it doesn't make sense for the Panthers unless you're just completely tearing it down. And again, I don't think David Tepper is is in that mindset. No, David Tepper's in the mindset of trying to win as soon as possible. He yeah. talked about a five year plan with former head coach Matt Rule. Well, Matt Rule didn't even take it make it two and a half years into that five year plan and. Yeah, if he went to Buffalo, that would be absolutely sickening. It's already bad enough that Brandon Bean, who was born and raised here, grew up in the Panthers organization, was the assistant GM. That He's built a monster there. Same thing with Sean McDermott, who's a former D.C. The last thing anyone wants to see is Chris McCaffrey be a Buffalo Bill, at least here locally. That's a Panthers fan. There's a lot of people here in Charlotte that are from Buffalo, and they painted our beautiful city in wing sauce and blue cheese. It would be great for them. 
but awful for me and all the rest of the Carolina Panther fans out there as far as it pertains Christian McCaffrey. But could it be a good move? We'll see what happens here in about 12 days' time. All right, Dave, let's take a quick pause. Then come back, talk about some of these uh, key matchups, head into the Week 7 matchup between the Carolina Panthers and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on this locked-on NFL crossover Thursday presented by Price Picks. David, I don't know about you. I'm not married. Maybe you are, but I know a lot of the men out there are looking for rings for that special someone. Whether you're looking to pop the question, have a milestone to celebrate, or want to let your love sparkle, Blue Nile can help you make your celebrations even more memorable. As the original online jeweler, Blue Nile offers the largest selection of independently graded diamonds and pieces priced significantly below traditional retailers. Blue Nile has helped millions of couples create their perfect engagement ring. Their easy online tools let you choose a diamond shape, size, and clarity, as well as setting style. Blue Nile's bench jewelers will let you help you hang, will help you handcraft her perfect one-of-a-kind engagement ring. Looking for a piece of fine jewelry to commemorate that special milestone, but have but still having trouble choosing? Blue Nile has jewelry experts on hand 24-7, available via phone or chat to help you find a memorable gift at every budget. Shop stress-free with Blue Nile's 100% satisfaction guarantee. All Blue Nile orders are insured and shipped for free in discreet packaging. They also offer overnight shipping if you're in a rush. Make your moment sparkle with Blue Nile. Go to BlueNile.com and use code LOCKEDON to save $50 on your first purchase of $500 or more. That's B-L-U-E-N-I-L-E.com. Code LOCKEDON to save $50 on your purchase of $500 or more. BlueNile.com. Code LOCKEDON. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, back here, Locked On Panthers, Locked On Bucks. It's yet another Locked On NFL crossover Thursday, sponsored by our friends over at Price Picks. So enter promo code Locked On when you sign up today. Julian Council, David Harrison, breaking down the Panthers Bucks Week Seven matchup, a matchup between the last undefeated in division teams in the NFC South. Of course, the Panthers only have one win, that coming against the New Orleans Saints, and they're looking to get their second win. Coming against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and David, if you look at it, the divisional games are always considered to be more important. The Panthers are only two games behind Tampa Bay through six weeks. If they win and the Falcons lose, then they would only be one game out of first place. So this guy maybe really isn't falling here in Carolina after all. Now, of course, it is as Steve Wilkes is now the interim head coach, and we'll see what he's able to do moving forward. Now, looking at this Sunday's game. What are some of the matchups or maybe the matchup you're looking at to help the Bucs win this game on Sunday against Carolina on the road? It's a, it's a Carolina Panthers pass rush against this interior offensive line. You know, um, Luke, Luke Gedeke, the, uh, the, the rookie left guard has gotten a lot of flack. And I mean, look, it's not without, it's not without deserving it. You know what I mean? If, if you break down, uh, you know, I know a lot of people have some issues with pro football focus and their grading scales and that's fine, but they have a lot of in-depth uh, stats and, and everything that they track and, and and interior alignment or really just offensive linemen in general that have a, the amount of pass protection sets as he has so far this season, he has the second worst grade 
of all of them. I think it's like 112 offensive linemen in, in the NFL right now have the amount of pass protection reps that he has across the league. And he has the second worst grade and he has the, it's, it's like fourth most pressures that he's given. Like he is not having a very good rookie season. And some of that honestly has to do with the fact that it's not Ryan Jensen, but Robert Hainsey playing next to him, Ryan Jensen, uh, pro bowl, all, all pro caliber type of interior lineman can kind of pick up the slack a little bit, either in calls adjustments or just kind of having that intensity. He kind of brings the line up uh, just a little bit. Like you mentioned, he, even if the reports to be believed that he may come back earlier than expected, it's not going to be this week. So it doesn't matter if he comes back later on uh, for, as, as it pertains to this weekend. So when I look at the Carolina Panthers, you know, a lot of people, if they look at the stats, they might be like, well, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are second best, you know, in, as far as giving up sacks, per pass attempt, you know, being the lowest and the Carolina Panthers are one of the worst teams in, in sacks per uh, pass pass uh, coverage uh, in, in the league so far. So how could that possibly be the the matchup to watch? Well, in the bottom line is the Pittsburgh Steelers aren't much better than the Carolina Panthers are uh, in that statistic, but it was still an impactful part of last week's win for the Pittsburgh Steelers because the reason that the Buccaneers have given up so few sacks, Tom Brady's getting rid of the ball. And this is exactly what we talked about in segment one, uh, why a lot of people are blaming the play calling. Again, to me, it all resonates within the offensive line, and it's not just Luke Gedeke specifically, but he is kind of the main culprit. Robert Hainsey has kind of had his moments. Tristan Wirfs has not been as good as, as maybe he has been earlier uh, in his career so far. So there's just a lot of things going on there. And, and when you look at Brian Burns and what he obviously can do with some stunt moves inside, and I mean, you get Derek Brown to eat up some blocks, and you have Brian Burns stunt and come inside and take advantage of that, or Damian Wilson, uh, who's also getting some sacks this season, be able to take advantage of that. That's going to force the Buccaneers offense if those guys can start getting home to to tighten things up. And then that's where you get back to first down runs and screens and quick passes that everybody's yeah. calling for Byron left, which is uh, not his job so far, but they, they're they're calling for his play calling duties, uh, which is part of his job, but they're not calling for him to be fired. They just don't want him calling plays anymore. But again, to me, it all resonates right there in the middle uh, in that situation. And that's why you're seeing everything that you're seeing. That's frustrating Bucks fans so far. So who do they want to call plays then? Honestly, I don't know. I haven't did, I haven't actually gotten that deep into it. I saw I saw some people saying that Byron Left wished to lose his play calling uh privileges, but I, I asked the same thing. I'm like, who who's gonna call the plays? You know what I mean? And and so there have been some conversation that maybe Bruce Arians would be a better head coach for this team than Todd Bowles, but I made the argument this last weekend with James on our postgame episode that Bruce Arians is known for his deep passes and his aggressiveness. And if he's got Tom Brady standing back there for three to five seconds, you know, designed, let alone, you know, waiting for the play to develop. We, we have not even have a quarterback right now. Tom Brady may be getting hit so much that he's just on the sideline, period. So, again, uh, you know, it's it's a different school of thought. You know, some some Bucks fans uh, believe that it's a play-calling issue. I believe that it's a lack of confidence in the offensive line, but I think that the lack of confidence in the offensive line is warranted, which is what we saw against Pittsburgh, which is what we how we saw them impact what the Buccaneers were doing. And even though the Panthers don't have many sacks per pass attempt so far this season, right. they could do the exact same thing this weekend. Huh. It, it, that's interesting to me because it's a very similar year at Carolina. A lot of people want Ben McAdoo fired, but then they offer no solution to who's going to call the plays. Like, okay, yeah. who exactly is going to run the offense that he was brought in to implement? Like, you're not going to change anything six or seven weeks into the season. So it's very fan mentality to complain about everything and then offer up no solutions. What seems to be happening in Tampa Bay and probably in the other 30 NFL teams and their fan bases, except for Philadelphia. I can't imagine they have anything to complain about <laughs> at this point in time. And Buffalo should not be complaining either. And there's even yeah. Kansas City. No one should be complaining from those three cities, but I'm sure there's someone out there who's upset about it. It is interesting to me to hear that the Bucks 
have given up the second most sacks. That's what you said this season. So, so far. second fewest. So they're actually second, second fewest sacks per oh, pass attempt, which would make it weird oh, okay. that I would say that this is the matchup to watch because the Panthers are very low in sacks per pass attempt yeah. defensively. And the Bucks are actually very, they're giving up very few. But again, I go back to it's because Tom Brady is getting rid of the ball so quickly, which is also leading to some of his passes being off target because he's not setting. He's not getting fully set. He's not, he's not throwing with full confidence. Mm-hmm. He's throwing under the mindset of I need to get out, get the ball out before I get hit because I don't have uh, an offensive line to protect me and I have no mobility. Like, like at this point, he might run a slower 40 than I, than I yeah. do. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Because, I mean, Carolina, they were in a matchup last week against the Rams, as I mentioned earlier. They were starting their sixth different offensive line combination in a game, and they came away with one sack. And the Rams are giving up the most sacks in the NFL. I think at this point in time, Carolina has nine sacks on the season. Four of them have come from Brian Burns. So just from my perspective, I just don't really see that changing this week, especially if they're getting the ball out quick with Tom Brady. As far as the Panthers go, I mean, interiorly, you would love to see a guy like Derek Brown who's had a really good season so far to be able to dominate some of these guys like Hainsey and the other player that you brought up there in the interior of the offensive line for the Bucks. And they had that success last week against the Rams. Just over the course of the game, they get worn down. So the matchup mm-hmm. I'm looking at is can this offense have any semblance of a pass game? against the Buccaneers this weekend. I know last week, the game plan, I put that in quotes, Steve Wilkes clearly does not trust P.J. Walker to be able to throw the football. And I don't necessarily blame him. Matt Rule, the former head coach here, brought in P.J. Walker. He coached him in college at Temple. He trusted P.J. so much that when Sam Darnold went on IR, he brought in Cam Newton off the street over relying on PJ Walker for a four or five week time before Sam Darnold came back. That's how much he trusted PJ. So if Matt rule who then later brought in Matt Corral and Baker Mayfield, if he didn't trust PJ Walker, had him always his four string quarterback, of course, Steve Wilkes, who has to do an incredible job to even be considered for the head coaching job here in Carolina. Of course, he's not going to believe in him, but man, you got to do something in the past game. DJ Moore, had like three receptions for seven yards. How is that even statistically possible for DJ Moore to do that? It's just Robbie Anderson. I get it. He's upset because he's not on the field on third down. And of course he's not getting the opportunities. I understand his frustration. Should he have gone about in that way? Obviously not. He's not here in Carolina anyway. So whatever. See ya. Um, But for me though, you got to do something passing the ball. PJ Walker show in the past. When you're given the opportunity to throw it down the field, he will get intercepted. Threw two red zone picks against the Lions yeah. in 2020 when he started. Last year against the Cardinals, he threw an interception. The only start he's had in his career where he didn't get picked off or turn the football over, well, it was last week when they asked him not to throw the ball past the, beyond the line of scrimmage. So I get that, but still, if they won't have any sort of success and they want to at least help out Christian McCaffrey, who they seemingly are going to be relying on again to move the football, you got to find some way to get the ball into your playmaker's hands down the field, whether it's DJ Moore. And I'm not even saying like go throw a bomb. Maybe hit some like some easy slant routes, some easy routes, like maybe a, a like a crossing route, something to get him comfortable in this offense. Because when he did throw it down the field on some of these corner routes, he was wildly inaccurate. Probably because he never got into a rhythm throwing the ball down in those areas and getting the inter- short to intermediate throws. It was all just behind the line of scrimmage. So that's what right. I'm looking for as far as matchup and for Carolina Panthers. I have any sort of uh, any sort of success to move the football down the field because they don't do that. It's going to be yet another rough watch for Panther fans and whatever the heck you want to call this thing that they do where they have the football and they try to score. I assume they're trying to score. I'm not going to call it offense because it's certainly not that. Yeah, no, and that's <laughs> huge. And I mean, look, you know, the Buccaneers – 
I mean, their their coach didn't quite say that they're living off their Super Bowl win from two years ago, but he kind of said they're living off their Super Bowl win wow. from two years ago. And there's some proud players on that side of the ball. I mean, I think Antoine Winfield Jr. very quietly because of what's been going on with the Bucks has been having a potentially all-pro caliber type of season. But either way, there are, are opportunistic players all over the defense. So if P.J. puts the ball in, in a harm's way, they're definitely going to be looking to make him pay for it. And uh, the last the last matchup I'm looking for really is, is rookie tight end Kate Otten, who will be – uh, expect to be starting in place of Cam Bray, who unfortunately suffered a neck injury last weekend. Um, if the Carolina Panthers are going to try to generate even more pass rush, then maybe they do get naturally if they struggle like they did against the Rams, uh, despite that the the Rams, you know, proven ability this year to give up those sacks. And they said they decide to bring some extra pressure. That's why Rob Gronkowski worked out so well for Tom. He loves throwing over the blitz to his tight end. It's a huge opportunity for Kate Otten to come up big for his team. Yeah, and then uh, one other thing, especially uh, you, you bring up that injury to um, Cameron Bray, Carolina still did not have corners. Dante Jackson and C.J. Henderson. Jackson has an ankle issue he's been dealing with the last three weeks. Henderson is in concussion protocol, but they do have J.C. Horn out there in practice on Wednesday. He had a rib issue that kept him out of the game last week. And then linebacker Frankie Louvu, who's had an injured shoulder, missed the last two games. He was also out of practice. That's important, although with the secondary if they don't have Dante and CJ out there, it's going to be J.C. Horn, Keith Taylor, Miles Hartsfield, and maybe even uh, Tay Hayes, who was a practice squad guy that got elevated a week ago. So that's something to watch out for as far as the matchup between the Bucks receivers, of course, Tom Brady, and that Panthers secondary. All right, we talk matchups. When we come back, David, let's talk about our predictions, scoreline, what you think is going to happen on Sunday. Will the Bucks? Get, get right, I guess, and beat the Carolina Panthers. And will that mean anything at all? We'll talk about that here in just a moment on this Locked On NFL crossover Thursday. Julian Council, Locked On Panthers, David Harrison of Locked On Bucks. All right, David, here is a sports analogy for you. When it comes to burglars, your home is like the end zone and you need the absolute strongest defense you can muster. This is why I use and trust Simply Safe Home Security. At Simply Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. It's cutting edge technology powered by 24 7 professional monitoring agents. You always have your back, so you always know your home is safe. Simply Safe blankets your home protection with advanced sensors for every room, window, and door. HD security cameras for inside and outside your home. Smarter ways to detect your to detect motion that only alert you when a threat is real. And even hazard sensors that instantly detect fires, floods, and other threats to your home. Our mo- their monitoring experts rather use proprietary advanced response technology to visually confirm when a break-in is real, so you can get the highest priority police dispatch. Customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com/slash/lockedonNFL. Save twenty percent on your Simply Safe security system. When you sign up for an interactive monitoring plan and get your first month absolutely free. Visit simplysafe.com slash lockdown NFL to learn more. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Panthers, Bucks. Week 7 at Bank of America Stadium in Uptown Charlotte. Julian Council, host of Locked On Panthers. David Harrison, he is the host 
one of the hosts, along with James Yarko of Locked on Bucks. James not here to hang out with us on this Locked on NFL crossover Thursday, sponsored by our friends over at PrizePix. Make sure to enter promo code Locked On when you download the PrizePix app and go to prizepix.com today to play whatever fantasy sport you want. They even have cricket, which is the second most popular sport in the world. So I shouldn't say they even have cricket. It's really a surprise that they have the NFL because the NFL is not as popular as cricket, which is hard for, I think, people to comprehend here. But either way, that's the case. And the case going into this game is the Panthers are 1-5. and five. They're not very good. They have an interim head coach. Offensively, they have been abysmal. And they're headed to historically poor rates as far as third down conversion percentage goes. For the Bucs, mm-hmm. they're 3-3. Three and three. They lost to the Steelers. Mitch Trubisky, what on earth, was lightening up in the second half when he filled in for Kenny Pickett, who went out with a concussion, I believe. And that is, that's surprising. Can maybe uh, P.J. Walker do that this weekend? I doubt it. Our friends over at Bet Online opened this game at a nine-and-a-half point favorite for the Bucs on the road. David, looking at this game, who you got, the Bucs or the Panthers? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I got to go bucks here. I think, you know, when you, when you look at these two rosters, the, the bucks obviously have the superior team now again, and, and last week proves it against Pittsburgh Steelers. That doesn't necessarily mean you're going to win. It just means you should win. Um, you know, and, and Shaquille Barrett, uh, in the post game locker room, uh, said as much, he said, you know, it, it's even more frustrating because this isn't a team in the Pittsburgh Steelers that beat them. And he literally said, we gave them the win. Um, uh, on Sunday. Now I would say the Steelers did some good things that they, you know, they came out and they attacked and they played hard and, and they had some strategies set up to try to beat the Buccaneers. So, I mean, you know, don't take too much credit away from the Pittsburgh Steelers, but I get where Shaq is coming from where, you know, again, you look across the roster uh, and, and you would say that out of the 22 starters, you know, at least 20 of them, and if not, you know, uh, maybe 19 or, or even 21 necessarily would start on the Pittsburgh Steelers roster. I think when you look at Carolina, I don't know that it's as, as high, but I mean, I think you're still looking at about 18 or 19 starters on the Buccaneers roster would probably start for the Carolina Panthers. Um, I think, unfortunately, the ones who wouldn't are probably on the offensive line. And again, that's where this game is going to be won uh, and lost for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, going to last week and what you talked about with the Los Angeles Rams, who were giving up sack after sack against Matt or four on Matt Stafford, were able to come out with a way and a strategy to not give up those sacks, still put 24 points up on the board. I think the greatest benefit to that is that the Buccaneers coaching staff, you literally now have a blueprint. You can go look at the Los Angeles Rams and say, what did they do to make sure that one of the worst teams giving up sacks didn't actually give up sacks against the very defense we're going to see this weekend? And then where can you emulate that? Where can't you emulate it? And where you can't, how can you do things differently to shore up that uh, that 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 weakness anyway and come out and still get at least 24 points? So I do have the Buccaneers scoring 24 points in this game, I think if the Rams can do it, the Bucs should be able to do it. Uh, the Rams only give up 10 points. I do think that the Panthers come out with a little bit of a different attack because you can't ask these guys, the, you know, the 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 two car accidents per game that they're going through in physical contact. You can't ask them to go out there and do it for nothing. You got to open this thing up a little bit, even if it ends up in some turnovers. But I do think it also leads to some more good things. So I have the Panthers scoring 14. Still, Bucks come out 24-14 with a 10-point win. Uh, but, you know, maybe a little bit of improvement for the Panthers and, you know, getting a win for the Bucs again. Uh, my listeners and viewers, 10 point win over the Panthers, still not going to be very happy. The Bucks aren't going to be very happy to come out four and three, but you know what? Better to come out four and three and angry than three and four and, uh, devastated honestly is what it would be if they lost to the Panthers. Well, all the Panthers or really all the Bucks, excuse me, have to do is score 17 points. The Panthers have lost, I think it's now 26 or 27 straight games where they've allowed 17 points to the opponent. Just an absurd stat that's yeah, happened here. Um, it's like how sure it's not a commander stat. I need to check that. <laughs> 
Well, no, it's not. <laughs> I, it could be, but it's not. Uh, it's, it's bad. It's yeah. really bad. I, I do think that this will be a competitive game in the first half. You, you go back to last week. The Panthers were up 10-7. to 7. Thank you to Dante Jackson for getting that pick six right before the half. And they played a conservative, didn't want to be aggressive, because going back to the Cardinals or the uh, 49ers game the week prior, Baker Mayfield, who was then healthy and a starter, threw a pick six right before halftime to really break the back of that team and to give San Francisco all the momentum. So Steve Wilkes, his game plan, it worked for 30 minutes. He got lucky the defense has now scored three touchdowns. Now, the, the defense has scored three offensive touchdowns in the first – or three touchdowns in the first half. The Carolina Panthers' offense has scored one touchdown in the first half all season. That's how bad it has been. Would not be surprising again if the defense is able to score a touchdown, but you cannot rely on a run game in the defense to be all you be your entire offense for the Carolina Panthers. It would be nice to get a takeaway, create a short field, because at least I could give Carolina a field goal or two on Sunday afternoon and maybe put them in position to actually score a touchdown. I wouldn't hold my breath there. I do think this looks like a seven or a 14 to seven game at the half. But the fact that the Carolina Panthers offense has shown that they can't convert on third down and they cannot stay on the field. This defense, whether Frankie Lubu's back healthy or J.C. Horn's back healthy or not, they're just going to wear down as they have traditionally done since Matt Rule first got here in 2020. I get he's gone now, but Matt Rule's issues are still the same issues that the Panthers have on the roster. It's going to take an entire offseason and maybe longer to be able to fix all the stench that is on this organization that's on this roster, where I, I like it overall, but these guys are just in a situation, especially defensively, where they are not going to be able to hold up. So I do think this turns out to end up being a blowout at the end of the game. I can see the Bucs scoring 31, 35 points for the Panthers, maybe 10 points in this game, but an easy cover for Tampa Bay as the Panthers will fall to one and six. And I think the Buccaneers will go to four and three. And your fans, if that's the scoreline, should certainly feel a lot better about this team in a way than they would if it was only a 10 point game, um, like possibly you think might happen. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, you know, I don't know. I don't know if there's really a world, honestly, where Bucks fans come out of this thing and just say, okay, cool, we're back on track, Super Bowl contender and all that. And, and I hate to be that disrespectful to the Carolina Panthers. I, think, I just think that's where they are right now in, in their team. And, you know, the firing of the head coach, the shipping out of, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's very evident that this is a team in disarray. Um, so I think that just kind of comes with the territory. But I mean, bottom line, Julian, you know, kind of going back through this whole thing, I mean, I think the biggest storyline and the key matchups for me lives in the trenches for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and how that interior offensive line matches up against Carolina Panthers defensive line and specifically front seven in the pass rush, especially Brian Burns uh, and Damian Wilson out there. And then the kind of a secondary matchup for me is rookie tight end Kate Otten. And if he can become even for just an afternoon, kind of a baby Gronk, if you want to call him or Gronk Jr. and become a Tom Brady uh, outlet over the middle to kind of kind of counter that pass rush and that blitz. Uh, and then, yeah, I do have the Bucks winning um, just because of recent developments. Uh, again, I'm only giving a 10-point spread. Hope for my listeners and, and, and viewers that I'm wrong and they can come back and say, man, I can't believe you doubted this team uh, as much as you did. But, I mean, look, you know, until we see this team really kind of get it going on all cylinders for all four quarters, it's hard to say if they're going to. Yeah, and for Carolina, too, it's just um, it's unfortunate because I honestly do not think this roster is, is as bad as they've been. Now, Sam Darnold, he's been uh, designated to return from IR. He, again, is not going to be active this week. Steve Wilkes, the interim head coach, first saw him on Wednesday. Sam will be out there practice the rest of the week. But it's going to be P.J. Walker. And it's going to be Jacob Easton backing him up. And if Walker goes down, God help Jacob Easton and everyone else has to watch this game who's rooting for the Carolina Panthers. I don't know how many people out there are still locked in at this point, or I guess locked on at this point, considering just how bad this offense has been this year. But finding some semblance of pass game, 
You got Terrace Marshall out there who got a lot of reps. He's been playing better in practice. He was someone who didn't get a jersey for two to three weeks. Robbie Anderson's no longer there. So who's the number two wide receiver? Shai Smith, can he do something? He earned a number three wide receiver spot at a training camp in the preseason. He has not shown much at all other than drops. And then LaVisca Chenault, who they traded for, he had a good game against the Saints. He had a long touchdown reception or really a long catch and run to help them seal that game. He's back healthy with the hamstring issue that's cost him the last two games. Can he be able to pride something on offense for Carolina? So really, that's a lot of things I'm looking for and wondering if this Carolina Panthers team can do something and find some sort of momentum. And of course, they're going to lean on Christian McCaffrey. And might this be the last time we see Christian McCaffrey in a Carolina Panthers uniform? I certainly hope not. But of course, come this time next week, would not be surprised if McCaffrey is shipped off elsewhere and the Panthers look towards the future and some of the picks that they can recoup and hopefully build their roster to the point where they can actually find a quarterback and not be in a situation where you're entering week seven and your entire fan base is checked out on this team. But don't you check out on us here on Locked on Panthers and on Locked on Bucks. Again, this Locked on NFL crossover episode sponsored by Prize Picks. Julian Council is the Locked on Panthers. Check out the show tomorrow if you listen to my show for a weekly Friday mailbag. Either at me or DM me on Twitter at Julian Council. Also check out David Harrison on Twitter at DHarrison82 and his co-host James Jarko as they are the two hosts of Locked on Bucks. I'm sure James will be back on the show Friday to break down their last thoughts going into the Panthers-Bucks matchup. Again, y'all, you can check us out wherever you find your podcast. Just be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. And check us out on YouTube at Locked on, the Locked on Panthers YouTube channel and the Locked on Bucks YouTube channel and all of the Locked on NFL content out there. For, James, or for David Harrison, I'm Julian Council. Just thinking James for whatever reason. This has been a Locked on NFL crossover episode. Locked on Panthers, Locked on Bucks. Y'all have a great day. Goodbye. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.